Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Go with me to Mark chapter 6. When I jump right back where we were last week, last week we was spitting and hollering and I was trying to do a whole DVD set in 30 minutes. So we just want to go back where we were. This morning I want to talk on the subject of honor, the key to increase. You know, sometimes when we try to correct things, we, we're, especially in the church, we bad about putting it in a ditch over here or in the ditch over here. I want to just try to bring something back to the center of the highway. You with me? And so I want to talk on this subject this morning. And uh, let's go to Mark chapter 6. I want to start reading in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you have a, if you have a King James or New King James or New American Standard, we used to like the Amplified Version, but it's so loud, we just, we just going to just stick to, you with me? But we really love the Passion Translation around here. I used to preach for a guy, Kevin knows this, when we first got married in the early 20s, I used to run a revival uh, for this one particular guy, and he would always call me, and when he would call me, he said, to, he said, now you make sure that you bring the King James, red letter, 1116 edition. But this morning, we're out of the Passion Translation, so if you have it, if not, look with us on the screen. Um, we're going to start reading in Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, after Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown on the Sabbath, he went, to te- he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said among themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him. Where did he receive such profound insights and what mighty miracles flowed through his hands? Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simon, and don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is treated without honor everywhere. A prophet is treated with honor everywhere except his hometown, among his relatives, in his own house. He was unable to do any great miracles in Nazareth except to heal a few sick people by laying hands, by laying his hands upon them. And he was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. And we're just going to do a little recap, then we'll get further along in the journey. And one thing that we established last week is it doesn't say that Jesus was not willing to do miracles. It says that he was restrained from doing miracles. Now, how many knows this? If you attended the house of God for any length of time, how many of you knows that there's times in those, there's times throughout that you go to the service and it just seems like, man, the place is just electrifying. I mean, God is on the move. You can feel him knee deep in the house. People are getting healed, delivered, and touched by the Spirit of God. And then there's other times you go to the building and it just, you go, you gather together as a corporate setting and it just seems like there's a wet blanket over the building. Now, I've often wondered and used to, um, especially when we first started out, when we would feel that, we would bind the devil for 20 minutes. And then I finally got enough revelation and wisdom with God that, <laughs> that we don't have to bind anything. Come on, somebody. That's, that's not got to deal with it. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus was restricted because of demonic influence in the city. But he was just restricted in that service when they reduced him down to something common standing before him. You with me now? So I want to talk about this subject of honor this morning. Not just honor. I know I preached a lot last week about honoring the church leaders. But how many knows that God wants to release a culture of honor throughout our society? How many knows I love this story like when we... When we 
go through Starbucks and someone pays for the coffee or whatever and how long the line just keeps going. You be, Listen to this. Whatever you begin to honor will begin to draw closer to your life. Whatever you dishonor will begin to move away from your life. And so God wants us to honor. We know according to the word of God in Ephesians chapter 6, if you honor your mother and father so that your years may be lo uh, long on the earth, right? So according to that principle, that honor releases life. And when we begin to honor people, not only church leaders, but we begin to honor each other and we honor the presence of God in this room. Come on, how many knows that's the ultimate supreme honor? That we honor the presence of God in this room. He comes where he's welcomed. You with me now? He, he dwells in the praises of his people. And so when we live that and we established last Sunday that true honor is honoring somebody for who they are and not stumbling over who they're not. How many knows we ain't all got it together up in this room? And when you honor the person, come on somebody, what you're honoring is the God in that person because all of us is created in the image and likeness of God according to Psalms 139. I don't care how vile and how they may be on death row, but every human being on the face of this earth deserves honor from that one aspect that they are created in the image of God. And what we're going to learn as a group of people to honor someone for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. We are not only our strengths, but we're also our weaknesses too. Come on somebody. Are you with me? So Jesus, it's not that he has a lack of not wanting to heal some people, but he's literally restrained in this city. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 4. Go over to Luke chapter 4. Let's, let's pick up some more inside of what's happening in the city of Nazareth. He's not, he's not not just not wanting to do something, but he's restrained from doing something. They marveled at his teaching. They marveled at his insights. But when they brought Jesus down to logic, figuring out with their own logical mindset of how can this man speak with this type of wisdom, we know Jesus. He grew up amongst us. He played ball with Johnny on the same team. Come on, somebody. He had math with Molly. We know him. How can, how can this be? Now, we know according to, to Isaiah's prophecy that they had the prophecy that a child was going to be given. And upon this child that the government and increase upon him there would be no end, right? But how many knows that there was a mental block that was happening in their mind from the child that was until now the man, come on somebody, the God-man standing in front of him that the government of God was resting on. I'm trying to tell you, there can be a lot of anointings released in a room that can be right there in front of you, all around you, but you will never tap into it until we learn how to honor what is right in front of us. God could be in here as a healer this morning. Come on, somebody. But through your own unbelief, you will never tap into the fact that he's a healer. God could be in here as a blesser. I'm talking about to bless you beyond your wildest dream in this house. But because of our unbelief and lack of honor, we never tap into it. Have you ever sat in church and wondered, how someone could be trimming fingernails on this end of the pew and at the other pew, other in the, the other end of the pew, someone seems to be completely lost in the presence of God. What happened? That person learned how to tap in to what was available in that room. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you this morning, there's something in this room besides some fat, bald-headed preacher. It's the presence of Almighty God with the power to change our lives in this room this morning. How do you know that? Not because of what I feel, because of what His Word says where two or three are gathered in his name there he is in the midst of us and if he's in the midst all things are possible not some things all things I said the cripple can walk in his presence I said the deaf can hear in his presence the blind can see in his presence come on somebody and the bound can be delivered in his presence if we would only believe my God I'm hollering I was going to sit at the table and not holler but man Let's look at what's going on here. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That's Pentecostal language for it may get wild, okay? Somebody may go to running. I don't, I don't know. Somebody may hit the ground. We don't know yet. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. When he came to Nazareth where he had been raised... I'm telling you, the greatest struggle is with our own peers. 
Man is the last one. I, I remember listening to Clint Brown when I was a teenager. He said, man is the last person to recognize what God has on your life. That, that God does, does, has designed that to see if we'll live by the praises of men or if we in it for him. Come on, somebody. So he'll hide who you really are for a certain season to see how you're going to model yourself. Come on, somebody. If you can still pursue him without the attaboys and without the accolades and without the titles. Come on, somebody. A worship leader's going to sing whether they on the stage or not. A preacher's going to preach whether he's got a microphone or not. Come on, somebody. So, <laughs> when he came to Nazareth where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. When Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and read where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind. To preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share with the message of Jubilee. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. After he read this, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the minister, and sat down. Everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. Then he, not, then he added, the scriptures came true today in front of you. Everyone was impressed by how well Jesus spoke and all of the beautiful words of grace that came from his lips. But they were surprised at his presumption to speak as a prophet. So they said among themselves, what does he think he is? Who, do, who does he? Lord, help me with these glasses here now. Who does he think he is? This is Joseph's son who grew up here in Nazareth. Then Jesus said to them, look at this, I suppose you'll quote me a proverb. Doctor, go and heal yourself before you try to heal others. And you'll say, work the miracles here in your hometown that we heard you did in Capernaum. But let me tell you, no prophet is welcomed or honored in his hometown. Let's keep reading right here. Isn't it true that many widows in the land of Israel during the time of the prophet Elijah when he locked up the heavens for three and a half years and brought a devastating famine over all the land? But he was sent to but he wasn't sent to any of the widows living in that region. Instead, he went to the foreign place to a widow in Zarephath of Sidon. Man, Jesus is prophesying right here. The Jews ain't gonna receive me, so I'm gonna have to get out from among my own people. And go to somebody who can see me for who I am. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> or have you considered that the prophet Elijah healed only Naaman, the Syrian, rather than one of the many Jewish lepers in the land? When everyone present heard those words, they erupted with furious rage. They mobbed Jesus, threw him out of the city, dragging him to the edge of the cliff on the hill on which the city had been built, ready to hurl him off. But he walked through the crowd, leaving them all stunned. This speaks of the supernatural disappearance or the Houdini anointing that he tapped into. Listen to this. Jesus said to his hometown concerning his own ministry, a prophet's without honor. Notice it was not devils and demons that shut the corporate anointing down, but a lack of honor. The Greek word for honor is the word where we get our English word time. The simplistic definition of honor is a valuing. Other definitions are appreciation, esteem, fable, regard, and respect. Come on, somebody. Now, the opposite of honor is what? Dishonor. It means to not show respect or value or to treat as common or ordinary or menial. Other words, we begin to bring the presence of God down into the room as just something ordinary. I don't know about you, but I've been after it for over 22 years, and I'm still amazed every time he shows up. 
I'm still amazed, come on somebody, with all of our faults and failures that when we gather together as a corporate body and begin to lift up his name that he still shows up. And friend, let me tell you something. When he shows up, that is something to be an awestruck about. We're not worshiping a whatnot. Come on somebody. We're not worshiping Buddha. We're not worshiping Islam. We are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on somebody. The creator of the heavens and the earth. When he comes in the room, it is something to be awestruck by. Now, Nazareth treated Christ as common. So when they reduced Jesus down to just the man Jesus, how many knows Jesus was fully man, but yet he was fully God? In other words, see, see, people don't get upset when you talk about Jesus, but they do get upset when you talk about the Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ means anointed one, Christos, the anointed one. Come on, somebody. And the anointed one has the power to change lives. So he's not restrained. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not withholding. Rather, he's restrained. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. You all right? We're traveling through a bunch of scripture here. Some of you ain't read it in a week, so we good. Look right here. Verse 15. Luke chapter 5. Verse 15, after, the miracle, uh, after the, this miracle, the news about Jesus spread even farther. Massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illness. But Jesus often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. One day, many Jew- Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. Look at this. And the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal them. The King James renders this that the power of God was present to heal them. Who was the power of God in the room to heal? Those sitting there. Who was sitting there? The religious scholars and the Pharisees. Can I tell you this, that I believe that the power of God is available to touch people every time we gather in a corporate setting. If that's not the case, then why do we gather? I said, I believe that the power of God is available every time we meet together. Now the power of God is present. It's in the room. It's, it's, it's in there. To heal who? Them. Some men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him in the past, in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the, the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objection among themselves. Who does this man think he is to speak with such blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? Jesus knowing what? Their what? Thoughts. Listen to this. How we can dishonor is in deed, in word, and in thought. How we honor is we honor in deed, in words, and thought. Notice this, that there was not a group of people that gathered at the back of the church and said, who did this man think he is? That was not going on. The preaching was happening. Men were tearing the roof off of the church. Come on, somebody. And a paraplegic was raised right down in front of them. You with me? Now... Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, but he perceives something's going on where? In the thoughts. Notice how you ain't got to take your wife outside and speak against the leadership of the church. You could be thinking something. Amen. Look at this. Jesus, knowing the thought, said to them, Why do you argue where? In your hearts, over, over what I do and think. 
that it is blasphemy for me to say that his sins are forgiven. Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up and carry your stretcher and walk? Jesus turned to the paraplegic and said to him, to prove to you all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, go on home, for you are healed. In an instant, the man rose before their eyes. He stood, picked up the stretcher, went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what had, they had just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over, incredible, what an unbelievable miracle we've seen today. Let me tell you something. It's a sad thing to see something and not partake of it. It's a sad thing to see it but not receive it. They all had the ability to receive what was in the room. But at the conclusion of the service, some saw, but one received. I want to be on the receiving end. Come on, somebody. Now, let's move on a little further here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We still recapping. Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 5. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terrible. Now let me just say this. In a legion of soldiers... There's going to be about 6,000 men in that legion. There would be a general that's over the 6,000. Up under the general is going to be a commander such as this man. Each commander, there would be 60 commanders up under that general in that legion. In the 60 commanders, he would be in charge of 100 people. Are you with me now? This is the man that Jesus is encountering in Capernaum. He's a commander. So he's got a general over him. He's got a general over him, but he also has 100 men underneath him, and he also has 59 peers on the other side, on equal ground with him. He's got a son who's lying in his home, paralyzed and suffering terribly, and Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you to come into my house? And what you got to understand is one of the problems that Israel had in recognizing Jesus is Rome had already, had already conquered them. They were waiting on the Messiah to come to overthrow the Roman rule and to set them free. So they could not receive that the king that God would send them would be born in a manger would be raised by a poor carpenter. Come on somebody. The, the, the logic was, was going on in their mind. But now here is the conqueror speaking to the conquered. This would be like one of our great generals in Iraq and him looking at an Iraqi plumber saying, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Come on, somebody. How many knows that he's not seeing Jesus standing there, the carpenter? He's seeing the son of the living God stand there. Come on, somebody. In, when Bartimaeus was healed, look at what he said. When other people were saying, Jesus, the carpenter, he was on the side of the street saying, Jesus, thou son of David. Why? Because he knew that when the Messiah come, come on somebody, he would come from the root of Jesse as the son of David. So what he was saying when the other people were saying, just Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus was saying, thou son of David, the son of the living God, the promised Messiah, stop. And when Jesus heard him say that, he stopped and Bartimaeus, come on somebody, threw that blind beggar's coat to the side and approached Jesus and walked away different in that room, in the street. So here, the commander at Capernaum is looking past the carpenter and seeing the authority of heaven upon this man. And notice what he says. I'm not worthy for you to come in my house, but only speak a word. Because I am a man, listen to me, under authority. 
and I have authority. I say unto this one, go. And he goes. So there's no need for you to travel and come to my house. Only open your mouth and speak the word that my servant may be healed. Jesus turned and says, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Now let's think about the people he encountered. John the Baptist, whom the scripture says, among those born of women, there has risen none greater than John. But he's saying now that this commander has had more faith than John the Baptist. What made his faith great? His recognition of God on the earth on another individual. And his understanding of authority. That a man has authority because he's underneath authority. Come on somebody. And Jesus looks at this and says, My God, I have not seen people operating in faith that they understand the authority structure. So how many knows this? We refer to what? The kingdom of God, right? How many, that's, that's church language. Yeah, what? The kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God is exactly that. A kingdom that is ruled through authority structures. Listen to this. Many want to walk in authority without walking under authority. You will never walk in what you are not willing to walk under. We fixing to get where we finished up last week. Psalms 133 says, How good and pleasant it, uh, how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It as is the oil that flowed upon the head of Aaron, transferring to the beard and then down to his garments. This should be the ability that covers every person in this house. Are you all right? That rain's getting us, ain't it? Listen to me. If you can get this, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. The oil flows. It originates from the Father. Flows to Jesus. Then the oil flows into the delegated authority he has on the earth. Who is the delegated authority he has on the earth? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Some Christ gave. These are not offices. We've made a mistake with the language in the church and preaching these as offices. Our offices are electoral positions. You can be elected into an office. These five are not elected officials. They're chosen officials. They're not chosen based on qualifications. Another mistake. God doesn't choose to qualify. He, qual he qualifies the ones he chooses. If you got a task this morning that you believe God's given you and you can accomplish in your own strength, I can tell you with full assurance that God never called you to do that. Anything God calls you to do, there is no humanly way possible you could ever, you could ever see about accomplishment. Come on, somebody. But he chooses the weak to confound the mind of the wise. He takes a Jewish man, come on somebody, named Peter, and sends him to the Gentiles. But when he goes to when he needs a man to go talk to the, to the very skilled Jewish people, he reaches out and he sees a Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus who sat at the feet of Gimiel. Come on somebody. And he took that student of Gimiel and he called him to get to the Jewish people to teach the gospel. So here's the deal. It does what? Listen. The office, the office or the title is not what makes the person important. It's who put the person. It's what makes it important. Now, the flow from heaven on the earth, delegated authority, then notice where the oil went to the beard. One of the word for elders means bearded one. Maturity, right? Y'all looking at me like Callum Newgate. The beard flows into the beard and then the Lord's garments. Well, somebody said, well, my God, man, I would like to be at the beard where I can, where I can, get, where I can get great to the oil. Let me tell you what. Everybody knows this, that the oil puddles up at the bottom. Notice when the woman with the issue of blood didn't grab his beard. She grabbed the bottom of the garment. Come on, somebody. 
That bottom fringe was a, was a Hebrew word used for wing. Come on, somebody. The reason why she did that is she had the promise in Malachi that when the Messiah comes, he'll come with healing in his wings. Come on, somebody. And if he really was the Messiah, come on, somebody. There was healing in the fringes. That's why she grabbed hold of him. And the issue of blood that was threatening her life for 12 years immediately stopped and dried up when she grabbed a hold of the healing wing of his garment. Come on, somebody. All right. So what happens? So maturity comes. Maturity comes through connection. Blessing comes through connection. How many knows this? That growth happens in connection. I gave you this example. This is very good. Stanton showed me this on his phone. Of Kevin Wallace, he, he's preaching, and he's got a plant, a potted plant from the nursery. And he's got it in his hand. And this is a plant in a nursery pot. And it's beautiful. It's full of potential. But it is restricted because it is held in that pot. The only way to break restriction is you got to remove it from the pot and plant it. But if you plant it, you can't walk around and show it no more. As long as it's in the pot, it's restricted, and it'll always look like that. But once it's in the ground and becomes planted, it will give shade. Let me tell you, I believe that the plan of God is not just to have one person in a church that can give shade but a whole family of people that can give shade. Come on, somebody. And the only way we ever going to give shade is to find the place we're planted. Come on, somebody. Those that are planted in the house of God, they shall flourish. So that tells me through connection, through connection with headship and the beard is what brings maturity in our lives. Now, let me tell you this. If connection is, what do you think the enemy is going to try to do? Disconnect. How does he disconnect you? Through offense. Anybody that labors an offense has chosen so willingly. You choose to be offended. How, do you, how can you say that? Because many has went through worse things than what you have and has made it through the other side. Many has been through more than what I have. Come on, somebody, and made it through the other side without being offended. So an offense, listen to this. We're going to move on a minute. i got to stay right here just for a An offense is nothing more than perverse protection. What does perverse mean? Wrong version. It's perverse protection. How do you know an offense is there? The first thing offense will do is lead you into something called distance. Oh. Anybody ever been offended besides me? I mean, if me and Steve get offended at each other, you can bet you the distance is fixing to show up. But when distance happens, from connection of headship, growth stops at that moment. Breakthrough is lacking because of no connection. Distance will lead me into lawlessness. And lawlessness will keep me from the glory of God. You with me? So what God wants to do is restore honor, to restore connection, to restore flow, to bring breakthrough. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. Distance leads to isolation. I told you this. Last week, but it's worth repeating. Veron Ash, great scholar mind, died in 2014, went to be with the Lord, said this when he was in a room and uh, full of leaders and they asked him, he says, how do you find a false prophet? He said, it's simple, isolation. You show me a man that's isolated and I'll show you a false man, whether he's a teacher, pastor, preacher, whatever you want to call it. Why? Because God sets what? Us in families. 
I'll get some emails on that. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. <laughs> Look, Luke chapter 13. Y'all right? We're traveling right along. We almost there. Now, think about this connection. Now, Jesus leaves the earth. He's leaving the earth, but he's fixing to tell his disciples on how they are going to find him once he leaves the earth. Luke chapter 13. Let's look at verse. Let's let's start in verse 31. Then some of the Jewish uh, uh, religious leaders came to Jesus to inform him that Herod was out to kill him and urged him to flee from that place. Jesus told them, go and tell that deceiver that I will continue to cast out demons. Man, I love this. Huh? They came to Jesus. Look at this. Golly, boy, he manned up, didn't he? Go tell that deceiver that I will continue to cast demons out in this city. I'll heal the sick today and tomorrow. But on the third day, I'll bring my work to perfection. Look at this. For everyone knows that I am safe until I come to Jerusalem. For that is where all the prophets have been killed. O city of Jerusalem, you are a city that murders your prophets. You are a city that pelts to death with stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you. So many times I've longed to gather you wayward children together around me as a hen gathers a chick under her wings. But you were too stubborn to let me. Look at this. And now it is too late. Since your house will be left in ruins, you will not see me again. Look at this. You will not see me again until you are able to say, we welcome the one who comes to us in the name of the Lord. If you're going to see Jesus, how do you see? When you honor the one who comes in the name of the Lord. When you honor the one he sends to you. With a strong Pentecostal background, we were trained very well on the discernment of spirits. And most of us with the discerning of spirits, uh, discerning of spirits, could see every devil within two hundred miles. But we could not recognize the presence of God on someone else. The gift of discernment of spirits is not to recognize the devil, but to recognize God when He shows up. When you need breakthrough, God will send you what you need most often times in a very offensive package. If you're Pentecostal, He's going to send you to free will Baptist. Come on, y'all. He will send it in an offensive package what we need. You will not see me again until you recognize the person God sends. Let's get back on the fivefold. I remember watching a clip that Jensen Franklin did for Pastor Bo on his pastor appreciation. And this is how he did it. He said, you can tell how much God loves a place by the gift in which he sends them. And he said, God must truly love this church for the gift that he sent in Bo and Melissa Turner to this church. The gift, what you got to understand, listen to me, as hard as it is for you to receive, some of you, the, the ministry gifts in this house are gifts from God to this house. Sometimes you got to toot your own horn and nobody else will. Catherine, blow the show far. Listen. The ministry gifts are gifts from God to the house in which they stand. What you get from those gifts determine how you honor that gift. 
Matthew chapter 10, you there? No, because I just told you. Let's go. Matthew chapter 10. I thought I quoted that earlier. <laughs> Fixing, get us out of here. Matthew chapter 10. You remember, you're not going to see me again until you, until you what? See he who comes in the name of the Lord. Last Sunday, I closed the story out with a, with a, I closed the service out with a story. Pastor Dale, when he was an evangelist, was in Nichols Church of God. Back then, there was not the, it, it didn't have the edifice that it has today. It was just a little small block building. The one that Pastor Lee Walden pastored. And he was preaching and he was closing service out that night. There was a man sitting in the very back with his wife. Pastor Dale felt led to call them out. And as they come down to the front, got in front of him, he saw a pair of silver scissors. Those of you that have been in this house a long time, you know this story. He saw a pair of large silver scissors and he saw it cut the grapes and the grapes fell to the, off the vine. And, then, and he immediately saw bigger grapes and more grapes appear back instantly on the vine. And he prophesies this over this, mouth, over this man. This man is so moved by what's happened that he catches Pastor Dale after the service and he said, you, he said, you don't know me, but I pastor Waldrop Avenue Church of God. His name was Pastor Bobby Moore. He said, I need you to stop by my house tonight on your way home. And he said, I want to schedule you for revival as soon as you, as soon as you can clear it. Well, he found the, the deal that where he could come preach or whatever, and he schedules revival. Pastor Dale said that he had never seen God use him at that level in the prophetic before ever in the history of him walking with God. And there's people in here that's received some amazing gifts through the prophetic anointing that was upon his life. Could we all say that in this room? There's children in this room due to the prophetic anointing upon his life. And any prophetic class you go to, they'll tell you three things you don't prophesy. Kids, marriages, But how many glad that a man that didn't have an etiquette class that just knew the voice of God and just stepped out on it and prophesied it into existence? That week that he's preaching that revival, Jill is in labor with Austin in the hospital. That's how many years it is, has been. She literally gives birth to Austin. He kisses her on the cheek and gone, and he's preaching. And he said, my God, God is moving in an unbelievable way because of the sacrifice that I'm giving. I mean, look, I'm sacrificing everything. Man, I left my wife in the hospital. Just sacrificing. God is showing up like this. People, I mean, he's calling people out by name. Boom, just a prophetic, just unbelievable act. It would be years later that he would discover the reason why God was moving in that service like that. Before he ever showed up, Bobby Moore was standing in front of his congregation and says, there's coming a prophet of God in this house to run a revival. Y'all all right? I mean, I can preach for hours, but I, I, I watch the clock. I'll be cognizant of the time. Listen. There's a prophet coming. He prophesied detailed accuracy in my life. And the problem was what was happening is that there were people exiting out of that church and Bobby and his wife was praying about leaving. But God told them that night, don't you leave. I'm cutting the grapes. Silver is redemption. Come on, somebody. That's the reason why I saw the, my, I feel the Lord in this room. That's the reason why I saw the silver scissors, redemption. God's telling you, son, there's a redemption coming on this ministry. There has been some pruning. There has been an excess. People are leaving. But God says, I'm going to redeem it for you. And I'll send you more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes. And the whole time that word just shattered him, gave him faith to stand and walk back in that pulpit and preach thus saith the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. And he, the whole time, there's a prophet coming. People here attending this church as far as like, ain't no prophet. He lives on Valdale. 
But to them, a prophet was coming. And God was blowing the roof off of that church. Listen to this. One year later, that church was in a building program honoring the word that they received in Nichols. Why? Because more grapes, bigger grapes, and better grapes showed up in that house. Come on, y'all. Now, let's, let's get right here towards it. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 42. He who receives me, he who receives you, listen to this. He who receives you receives me. Let's put this in South Georgia terms. Reject me, reject him. Receive me, receive him. See what he's saying? Y'all be, I'm not taking no offering up. Look at this. And whoever receives me receives the one who, I, who sent me. And whoever receives a prophet because he is God's messenger will share a prophet's reward. Now, first of all, let me say this. Jesus is speaking this to a crowd that doesn't have the New Testament. They're not aware of Ephesians 4.11 or 1 Corinthians 12.28. But they could identify with a prophet. So if Jesus is speaking this in our language, he would identify the fivefold with this verse. Or the five ministry gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4 verse 11 or 1 Corinthians 12, 28. But notice what he says. The prophet goes through hell. If that offends you, I'm sorry. Goes through hell in gas drawers. And Jesus says that by receiving him or honoring him through my Valuing respect and regard for the gift that's on his life, I can receive what he's labored for. What did he labor for? What is the gift that we receive when we honor a prophet? God doesn't bring or establish a prophet inside of a church to give out prophetic words. Giving words of knowledge is the lowest place of the prophetic ministry. You all can prophesy. You don't have to be a prophet to do that. Psalms 139, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Their thoughts are more than the number of sands upon the shores. Have you ever been to Destin? Look how many grains of sands down there. God says his thoughts towards you are more than that. Upon the sand on the shores globally. So to give you a, a word of knowledge, all I have to do is ask him for one grain of sand. It's not that very difficult. But God establishes a prophet in a house not to give words of knowledge but to teach and equip the saints on how to hear God for themselves. So when we receive the gift, whether it be teacher, prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, along with that comes the reward that they carry on their life. You okay? All right. Let me, let me finish this right here. Read it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is God's messenger will share a prophet's reward. And whoever, whoever welcomes a good and godly man because he follows me will also share in his reward. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to, to one of my humble disciples, I promise you, he will not go unwarded. In this, Jesus dealt with all aspects of humanity that we would come in contact. Those over us, those are, that are our peers, and those are who are underneath our care. What should we do? Honor. Now, First Timothy chapter 5. This is my last verse of Scripture. First Timothy chapter 5. Now, how many believe 
Watch out now, Bethany. Hold it straight. Hold it straight. I'm going to be putting this on YouTube now. You've got to make it look good now. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Listen. Now, let me ask you this. On our service times, when we gather together, do I, let me ask you, if I've laid in the floor and fasted five days of nonstop prayer and I come through the doors and the power of God shows up left and right, I mean, it's just, I mean, lightning's hitting the place. Or if I've had no kids for four days and I have not fasted. Hallelujah. And God doesn't move. Did I control what happened in the building? Did I control what happened in the building? Let me tell you this. There is never a time when the ministry gift controls what happens in the building. The congregation always determines the flow what happens in the building. You can have Matt Smith or Darlene Check. They do not determine what happens in this building. The only thing he does is start the engine on the plane. The plane can never take off without something called thrust. That is resistance that comes underneath the wings that sets it up. Your voices opening up with your heart unto God puts the wind underneath the wings that causes this baby to accelerate. And we wonder, we go, well, you know, preacher didn't just have it today. No, there was a lack of honor in the house today. Come on, somebody. Well, the worship leader didn't choose the right song. No, there was a lack of honor in the house today. Come on, somebody. We are determining the flow. You determine whether there's a two-inch hose hooked to your life or a coffee straw hooked to your life on how you regard what God sends up in the house. Whoa, that's good preaching right there. Listen to this. I'm going to finish with this just because it's good. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at this scripture right here. Show it up there. Uh, let's, let's go. I'm going to read it from the screen. Let's go verse 17 and 18. Oh, here's a fun one right here. This is good right here. Pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout with me this morning. Somebody shout, raise. Listen to this. The pastor who leads the church well should be what? Paid well. The pastor who leads the church well should be paid well. Though they should receive what? Double honor. It is the only time in the Bible that the double honor appears in Scripture, and it refers to the ministry gifts in the house. Oh, man. Stand shouting me down right here. Stand up and preach. Listen, they should receive double honor or faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the Word of God. Let me tell you this. You show me a congregation where the ministry gifts are blessed in that house, and I will show you a congregation that is overflowing with the blessing of God upon their house. Why? Because God says you honor me, I will honor you. How many believes this is the book? 1 Samuel 2.30 says this. God says, you highly, you honor me and I will honor you. You dishonor me and I will put you of little esteem. The pastor who leads the church well, let's say it again, should be paid well. They should receive double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the word of God. Come on, somebody. Let's look at verse 18. For the scriptures have taught us, do not muzzle an ox or forbid it to eat while it, tre while it grinds the grain. And also the one who labors deserves what? His wages. Look at verse 19. You may want to stop there. All right, listen, listen. Stop right here. Don't listen to accusations now. When should that flow be cut off from a house? Well, simply read the the book of Isaiah the 56th chapter he deals with his servants in that house and he said my servants the watchmen will lay like sleepers refusing to bark 
refusing to sound the alarm. All have turned to what? Selfish gain. Any leader that demands honor is no leader at all. Well, some of us said that. Some of you go to out to eat and this is what you do. Well, the waitress was horrible, so I'm not going to tie. I'm not, I'm not going to tip her. Well, you mean to tell me but her actions reduced who you are? Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. oh, Lord. Come on. Huh? I got that. There's somebody I know right here that used to work in Tifton during camp meeting to tell you that they hated waiting on tables of church people because they're going to leave them a track as a tip. If you ain't got at least 20% to throw down on the table, you can't afford to go in there and eat. Hello, somebody. I said honor. Now, how we treat the leadership. Well, I mean, should we? I mean, what, what, how do you treat leadership? How, how do you honor? I mean, what, what is that? I mean, what, what, is, what is Timothy talking about? He's talking about a blessing comes on the house through this principle of honor that I'm talking about. Now, let me just say this. I always highlight him, and that's good. I can, I can brag. And if me bragging on Stanton bothers you, that's a sign in your own heart that you got some issues. Because let me tell you this. I remember when I was a young 25, 26-year-old leader that I used to hear Pastor Dale set up and, and, and talk about John, everything that he was doing in Savannah. It was killing me. But you know what? I had something called envy and jealousy in my heart. Had nothing to do with John. Come on. Let's just establish this before we leave today. God's going to bless people right in front of us. He's going to do that to the day you leave the earth. You're going to pray for your breakthrough, and you're going to fast, and you're going to be, I mean, fasting and on the grind, believing God for breakthrough, and God's going to touch the person right beside you and give them the breakthrough that you desire just to see how you're going to model your heart. He didn't take David to the back room to pour the oil on his head. He brought him right out in front of his brothers and anointed him right out there. Come on, somebody. There will always be public display of great outpouring to, to, to model our own hearts. Instead of getting envious or jealousy, come on somebody, we could celebrate, come on. We could celebrate the ever the, the effervescence on someone else's life and let it come on our life. Come on somebody. Knowing that if God's that near in the family, it's a matter of time for heaven's in my house. Let me rejoice with you here. Let me give you another thing. When you see God showing out on somebody, that's the time you get your wallet out and sow into them. Let me buy you dinner. I know you don't need you don't need your dinner bought, but let me tell you, I need to buy your dinner because I need what's on your life to get on mine. Hello. Pete man, people just, Lord, he wants I don't believe in letting your right hand know what your left hand doing. I'm going to tell you a story for a close. This, this past week I went and I was at a place and I have paid well above every time they do anything. I was getting my hair cut and I paid them well above for this great tip. And I got a church chair, pulled my money out and they looked at me and said, there's no way you can pay. I said, what? He said, you can't pay. He said, just consider it pastor appreciation. I said, Lord Jesus. So Stan want me to pay for his haircut. No, I'm playing. Thursday morning, 6.30. I, I don't have any social media. I have just one thing that I can like, like the little Marco Polo take a picture. So I was cutting up with him and sent him a little thing at 6.30 in the morning. And I said, listen here, grown men get up at 5 o'clock and go to the gym. And I was acting like I'd been to the gym. In reality, I did not go to the gym. I was trying to get to the donut truck before they left the Goodies parking lot. Hello. How many appreciate donuts up in this place? Come on now. <laughs> I'm living proof if you will pray Isaiah 54, stretch forth your tabernacle. God will do it for you. All right, get back. we got to get back in the morning because I'm closing. John Bentley loves donuts. I didn't eat the donut, but I went and got him a donut. And my boy's donuts for the left. Well, he hits me right back. It's a little bit after 7 o'clock. Well, he's dressing in his truck rolling. He said, I'm going to pick up two kids that got kicked off the school bus. And they will not go to school unless I go pick them up. I look, buddy, I'm going to tell you something with tears in my eyes after he sent me that video. 
while a lot of other youth pastors are still laid up in the bed. He's going to the housing projects, getting two kids that got kicked off the school bus, saying, we still believe in you. If that don't deserve honor from this house, I don't know what does. I'm telling you where we can't we cannot we cannot treat as common the ministry gifts that God has in this house and it is not limited John and Catherine and it is not limited Stanton and Abby Morgan or Matt and Nicole Father I bless your people this morning raise your hands because I'm going to declare you blessed and I'm telling you you're going to be blessed in this house I told Stanton this and we were in my office for four weeks now, I've heard God tell me of an anointing that is available in this house for creativity. I don't know if your business has that, but I'm telling you, it was so thick in my office one day this week, it was like waving my hand through water. That's how strong it was in my office. You need to expect your business to soar. Pastor Cho with the world's largest church in Seoul, Korea, listen to this, founded his church in a literal dump in Seoul, Korea, in the worst impoverished section of town. In 2012 or maybe 2013, he had over 50,000 millionaires that were members of his church. What happened? How does that happen? Through honor. I was reading an author the other day who has played golf with him on four different times. And one of the times Pastor Cho was, he came to New York and he bought a designer golf bag in New York. And this leader that was with him was on and on about his designer golf bag. He said, my God, I mean, that bag is unbelievable, man. He just bought it at Fifth Avenue, New York. And Pastor Cho looked at the guy that was with him, his assistant that was with him. He said, get my clubs out of that bag and give it to him and give me his bag. He said, Pastor Cho, he said, I cannot take your bag. He said, it's yours. What honor. Man, there's no telling what would happen in your life if you could... What am I saying to you? I'm telling you, if we got offenses with each other, we got to deal with it because that breaks the flow right there. There's no flow going to you. I can promise you that. I don't care if it's with me or whoever, if it's with this house, whatever. There is no flow coming to you. You can pray to you blue in the face fast. Trust me. I'm, I'm giving you the truth right now this morning. You can write this in your diary. You will be at the same place you are right now four years from now. I don't care how much you fast and pray, how much you download stuff off the Internet until we deal with our own heart. Jesus said, Elias, leave your gift on the altar. Go make it right with your brother. Father, I bless your people this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray an abundant blessing upon this house and upon this people. I pray the rain of heaven come upon them like never before. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will remember every seed, every gift sown. In the name of the Lord God, I pray this morning that what I did this morning, let it come upon this house, that we would be used by God to break lack off of other ministries. And we will begin to see, we will begin to be able to support other ministries in the name of the Lord God. I bless the businessmen of this house like never before. For I call it in from you from the north, south, the east, and the west. I declare that your equipment shall run like never before. I declare your everything of your tools will run like never before. I break the devourer off of your life, your stuff. You will not lack none a day in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break the fear of lack off of this congregation. I bless you to sow like God, like you know that God will, will you cast your bread upon the waters, it shall return. I'm telling you, we are not going to be a people that are fearful of lack anymore in the name of Jesus. We are not got some what not on the shelf. Come on, somebody. We are serving Yahweh God. Come on. We are we are serving Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. His first miracle to, to Peter was he caught too many fish. Come on, somebody. He wanted him to know from the beginning, I am a God of an abundance of everything. Come on, somebody. 
Receive ye the Holy Ghost this morning in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord God. Go hug somebody, love on them. We'll see you here next week. Listen here, on February the... um, April the 4th is the date for the Life Fest. Also, you're not going to want to miss what March the 8th. March the 8th, we're going to have a family day here at this house. It'll be a Sunday morning. We're not going to preach. We're going to have, we're going to have a bunch of like, like faith wars, what I'm going to call it or something. We're going to be teams competing with stuff, three-legged race, the whole nine yards, eating hamburgers on the ground, hot dogs, Carter Slaw, the whole nine yards. Put those on your calendar. God bless you. We'll see you here next week. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.